You're listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Amen. Well, again, welcome to Anthem Church. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Jonah chapter 4. Okay, so Old Testament. Jonah chapter 4. We conclude our study today. This is the last chapter in our book, and I'm going to kind of miss it. It's been fun um, going through the the narrative together. And so Jonah chapter four, and normally, you know, when a pastor gets up, you do some like introductory, like story, something fun. I'm telling you, anything I would come up would just take away from what's already in the narrative. It is awesome where we're going today. So we're going to dive in right away, just into Jonah chapter four, starting in verse one. But again, Chapter 3, you have to remember, this is where he goes into the city and preaches a five-word sermon, and the whole city just repents. And, uh, and so here in chapter 4, what's Jonah's response uh, to that? <laughs> Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Now, hold on. So we're one verse in. You understand what just took place here. You have a prophet of God, like that he is to be preaching to people and telling them what what God would have. And so you have a prophet, Jonah, God's messenger. He goes into a city of 120,000 people, preaches a five-word sermon, and they just repent. All of them turn and like, just start to worship God and just beg God for mercy. From the greatest to the least, it says in chapter 3, from the king all the way to the cows, the city repents. And Jonah's response, chapter 4, verse 1, he's pretty upset about it. You, you get it like the irony. You're like, I don't, this doesn't add up. He, this is how upset he is. He's exceedingly displeased, verse 2. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my own country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are, gracious, you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O oh Lord, Please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. <laughs> this is the Bible. This is fun, right? Like, you read that. That should be shocking. Like, this is a picture. I took, I took a selfie the first time I read this. This is kind of what I came up with. This is my expression. You're like, really? <laughs> it's not really me. But you see, like, the expression. We were covering this in Connection Group and I, and, uh, a couple weeks ago. And, like, the first time our, our people are kind of getting beyond the felt board story that you learn in Sunday school and you get to these chapter three and four and you're like, no way. Like that's his response. Uh, and, and we see it here. Like, why did he flee originally? And we alluded to this in chapter one. It wasn't out of fear of this wicked, treacherous people that were his nation's enemies. He didn't fear them. We, we have the answer here in chapter four. He was afraid, uh, not of the people, but that God would be merciful and gracious and save them. Like that's, he was fearful that God would have mercy on the people that he hates. And that's where he says, he says, isn't this what I told you, God? 
And, and Jonah then makes this accusation of the Lord there in verse 2, where he says, I knew, I knew that you were uh, a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in love. He, he starts to quote um, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. This is God's description of himself to Moses. God passed before Moses and said, the Lord, the Lord, the God, merciful, gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And so he rightly gets the attributes of God, but it's this accusation. It's like, I knew this is who you were. It reminds me, so I had this time back when I was a kid where I had one of these moments with my mom. My mom is one of the most generous people uh, I know, even till like to this day. My wife, like we just can't comprehend. Like when she comes to see us and the kids, like she brings half a grocery store with her and it's all this stuff. And it's like, here you go. And just gifts. Like that is like her love language. And so she just showers us with gifts. She uh, grew up, um, my dad, farmer, dynamite blaster. We ran cat, all that stuff. My mom, a beautician. And she would cut hair like and we lived on a farm, so she had like this little beauty shop set up downstairs. My mom, worst business person ever. Because she couldn't charge, <clears throat> she felt wrong charging, you know, friends and neighbors for their haircuts that she would give. We were in rural Iowa. Everybody is your friend and neighbor. Like, so she's like, no, it's good. You know, like, we're okay. And, and she just couldn't charge. I remember, so this one time we, <laughs> farmer, right? We're getting done with, uh, with 4-H, you know, and we're, we're done with 4-H. And, and the neighbor gal needs a ride home. And I was, I was pretty put out by this point, you know, because it was going to add an extra four or five minutes, uh, you know, onto our trek home. And I just wanted to get home. And I remember like the gal gets out of the car and I just let my mom have it. I'm like, you know what your problem is, mom? You are just too kind. Like you want to serve everybody and you want to be generous towards everybody. And quite frankly, I'm just sick of it. You, you are, <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> like mom and that mom like sorry like what do you want me to I, I, I God getting this accusation like I knew this about you you're merciful and gracious and passionate I just really like you would you would think that that would like drive worship <laughs> that, that 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 would be a proper response not anger but nonetheless like Jonah is is worked up about this and 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 looking at these things, man, they should prompt worship. Because the reality is, is like, have you ever been in need of God's mercy? His grace? Have you ever needed God to be slow to anger with you? Patient? Abounding in love? Like, that is totally our stories. Certainly Jonah, the, 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 he was a recipient of all these things. Right? Jonah, I think you wanted God to be merciful to you when you were tossed into the sea. Jonah, I think you wanted God to be patient with you where you went on a boat going the wrong direction. And I know for me, and I look at my life, this, the, who God is, man, that he would graciously pursue me. It's interesting right now is interacting with some people. I'm like, oh, we were doing the four Columbia thing the other day. I'll bring that up later. But, but talking to the guy I was working with, uh, Mike Stoll, who goes to church here, 
I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't always a pastor, right? Like, I certainly needed God's mercy and grace towards me through high school and college, that God would come and, and, and be merciful. In fact, uh, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No exception. Remember Paul Sabino kind of teaching on this idea that our need for God's mercy and grace and the reality that when we receive that, anything north of hell is the grace of God. That God in his mercy would send his son Jesus to die for us. Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, God would do that for us. Man, no one pursues God, not even one. No one is righteous, not even one. And so here we have a room full of people that have been blessed by who God is in terms of his mercy, his graciousness, and his pursuing of us. And it's by that that we are pulled in towards God. And, and Jonah would have been, it would have been the same story for him. See, the reality is, is Jonah, man, he loved who God was when it affected himself. Where it starts to, to divert is when he saw that same God apply himself to his enemies. I'd say it like this, that, that Jonah, man, he wanted God to save him, just not others. I mean, even just that reality is like, I love that my mom is generous and gracious when the grocery car comes to us. But my neighbor, Holly Shepherd, the fact that mom would be just as gracious and, and generous to her, really? Man, is there that hypocrisy in us? And here's the thing. Man, seeing what God has done in the life of Jonah and his pursuit of him, should cause us to worship. And I, in this week is one of the, my favorite weeks of being a pastor. Got to be a part of leadership interviews for college students that are wanting to go on leadership. And what we mean by that is, is we use college students to reach college students. And so these leaders, just to set the context, they fill out an application. They sit down with an, an, an interview process with myself and some of the other staffers. And you see Tina up here. She's like clapping along. You get her in an interview. Mm, she's just straight face. She's just <laughs> scary. And then you hear these nervous laughter up here. Like, <laughs> she was. <laughs> I, yeah. And so these college students, but the privilege it is to have done interviews this week, we had 21 new leadership applicants. And again, they're applying to lead their peers and to shepherd their peers. We compensate them with like a $7 t-shirt, you know, like, here you go. And they give us about 15 hours a week in serving and leading. And they're, don't tell them this, but they're applying to be a part of us using them in those ways. And it's to their joy to be a part of it. But, but, um, Back to like the stories that we got to hear this week and what God has done amongst the college students that call Anthem Church home, that, that come to Salt Company. Just stories of mercy and grace, coming to college, living out like that college lifestyle and God interrupting that. Just the, the, maybe the broken past or the broken homes and, and for God to be a father to the fatherless. You just, story after story and sitting under this, I can't help but think of, of just God in his mercy and grace, this compassion that he has towards college students, towards Jonah, and yes, even towards Nineveh. 
He's still God to a place like Nineveh. And man, it should prompt worship. But in Jonah, it made him exceedingly displeased. He's upset about God's love. And it causes him to be angry. And here's this problem. You're like, that just doesn't seem right. Yeah, it's a hypocrisy. It's wanting that for you, but not towards others. And so Jonah's a hypocrite in here. And the other thing, it presents kind of like this problem of evil. And we won't get into it too much, but let's say, Jonah, what do you want? You want God to get rid of evil? Is that what you want? Like you want, you deem Nineveh to be wicked and evil, and so you want God to get rid of evil. And perhaps you've interacted with coworkers like, I just can't believe in God, because if he's all-powerful and so strong, why doesn't he just get rid of evil? Well, the question that I would ask is, well, do you want him to get rid of all evil? Or just like what you deem to be like really evil? Like you want God to get rid of like, murderous people that, that rape and those things? Or do you want him to really get rid of evil, which means your evil thoughts, the evil in your heart? Like you got to stay consistent because if we want God to get rid of all evil, he would have to eliminate us too, right? If we're staying consistent, you're like, well, no, just the, I mean, the more evil things. I mean, come on, Jonah, like you, you, you got a problem with evil? Have you looked in the mirror? Because you would have a problem with yourself. And so it, it lacks the level of consistency. And if we want God to stop evil, we got to be consistent. We can't just pick and choose. And so Jonah, you want justice? You want the wrath of God? It's going to apply to you too, bud. Like it just would. But, but as it has it, God's mercy and grace not only gets applied to him, but it gets applied to Nineveh. And so God asked Jonah this question in verse 4, attempting to seemingly point out the inconsistency. God asked him, do you do well to be angry? <laughs> like, really? <laughs> like, do you do well to be angry? And God pursues Jonah again with mercy and grace. The story continues, and God asks him that question, doesn't get a response, and so God pursues him with a little bit of an object lesson. He's going to try and get him to look within himself, and so the story continues in verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he would see what would become of the city. Perhaps Jonah in this moment is still ha hoping that God's wrath will be poured out on Nineveh. Despite their repentance, he, he goes and he goes outside the city. Now you understand what just happened in chapter 3. 120,000 people repenting. They put on sackcloth as a show of like humility and bow their heads. And you're like, so you're a prophet God. Like, and you have 120,000 people, like, turning to God. Your response is, like, go outside the city? Like, maybe, like, a better response would be to, like, stay in the city and perhaps begin to pastor people beyond your five-word sermon that you gave. <laughs> but instead, he goes outside the city, 
hoping that it would get destroyed. And he's not completely lazy because he's going to expend some energy, but it's not in helping the people. He's going to expend some energy in building himself a booth. That way, while he's at least sitting outside the city doing nothing, he's in the shade. Did you catch that? I mean, I'm going out there, but I at least want to be comfortable, you know? So he takes the time to build himself like this little structure. And apparently he's not even that really good at it because it's going to continue in verse 6. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come over Jonah that it might be shade over his head. Again, that's what the booth was supposed to do, but apparently sunlight's still getting through. And that shade would save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. <laughs> you see, like, Jonah, like, day to day, like, exceedingly displeased. And now he's exceedingly glad. He should be exceedingly impressed that a plant shot up overnight and gave him shade, right? Like, that would have been, you would have think, like, that would be significant. But misses it. But he's, he's glad about the plant at this point that is supernaturally grown. And it says that, Verse 7, but when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. God is giving Jonah an object lesson. He is wanting to try and prove a point. He didn't get it the first time with the question. And so God is trying to bring him along here and show him something. And so God created the plant. All by the work of his hand. Jonah didn't do anything. He didn't grow it. God brought that plant into existence. And I love it that God then appoints a worm. I mean, if you're looking at this, you're looking at who obeys God throughout the book of Jonah, pagan sailors, wicked Nineveh, a giant fish, and God even sovereign over worms. <laughs> like, I don't, what does that even look like? We know what it looks like for him to go to Jonah and say, hey, I want you to do this, obey. What's the conversation look like between God and a worm? Go get him, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But he's, he's sovereign over all this, and, and he's sovereign over the wind and over the waves, and, and he is over all of this, and he's attempting to teach an angry prophet a lesson, and he uses a worm. That's how good our God is. He can use a worm. And the plant, sure enough, withers and dies because it's been cut off. And the sun beats down on Jonah's head, and he is miserable. So miserable. He's kind of an extreme guy, but he's miserable to the point is like, it's better. It would be better if I died than to sit here in this heat uh, and have the sun beating down on me. And so God asked him virtually the same question as he did in chapter, uh, verse 4. But God said to Jonah, do you, uh, do you do well to be angry? Dot, dot, dot. For the plant. Okay, I asked you originally, do you do well to be angry about this whole their repenting thing? But 
Do you do well? Is it right for you to be angry about a plant? This time he gets a response from Jonah. When we're talking about plants, Jonah perks up. He said, yeah, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. What other tone do you want me to read that in? Like, how do you think that that went? Angry enough to die. And then the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? Wasn't that Jonah didn't care? He just cared about the wrong things. Jonah feels strongly about a plant. Cares more about the plant than he does the people. And God is bringing that out in him. He's saying, these people, they, they don't know their left hand from the right. They're confused. They are lost. And, and you are concerned about a plant. And God, it, the, the, the problem is, is plant, man, we are created in the image of God. Genesis 3, male and female. God created us and has endowed us with characteristics that of our creator. And so we're made in his image. God values us so much that he would send his son Jesus to, to die for us. But not only that, as God has numbered the hairs on our head, he, he knows us intimately. He loves us as a heavenly father. And he would say, Jesus in teaching, say, you're worth way more than grass of the field. You're way more valuable than a couple sparrows. Now, I know when a sparrow falls and I command the worm and all that, but, but you, made in my image, you are so valuable and precious. So God loves people more than he does plants. And again, John three sixteen for God so loved the world, that he would send his son. And that means, yes, you Israelites. That also means the Ninevites. It means people from every tribe, tongue, nation, all made in the image of God. And Jonah is just missing this. The, the Lord's heart, in 2 Peter 3, 9, reading this in our Bible read-through, the Lord is, slow, is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God wants people to come to know him, to trust him. See, Jonah, he didn't share his concern, God's concern for lost people. He's more concerned about a plant being destroyed than he was about 120,000 people being destroyed. And that's the problem. He's just caring about the wrong things. I think it was Luke not too long ago who said, Our, the biggest fear that I'd have for you guys is not that you would fail in life. It's that you would succeed at things that don't matter. Does that make sense? Like the biggest fear isn't that you wouldn't fail, but is that you would be really good at things that have no eternal value. Does that kind of make sense? That, that Jonah, man, he, he shows concern. It's just for plant versus people. But the bigger concern 
is that you would succeed in things that, that don't matter, that you would take the job and make a lot of money that you ultimately can't take with you when you die. That you'd work really hard, put out all the trail cameras and shoot the biggest buck in the woods. Again, I like to hunt, but have to have a level of understanding that in terms of eternal value, between loving neighbors and, and, and pastoring people, the things should be put in perspective. I just can't imagine like dedicating all of our time to the wrong things. <laughs> and then like even in that deer illustration, like getting to heaven like, look, God, I got you this deer. Because <laughs> like, I speak those into existence. Like really, like what are we going to be about? And the hope is that as we look at this, that we would value what God values. And again, it's not to say those other things have no value, but to be about things of eternal value. And I got to confess that in studying this out, this was convicting yet again for me. As I mentioned, our church, part of 53, I think other churches kind of in this city that participated in a serve day the other day for Columbia. Perhaps you saw the t-shirts around. I think they had like a couple thousand volunteers. And, uh, and so we're to participate in this serve day. And um, man, I, I signed up and I thought, I'll, I'll do this, you know. But honestly, like my attitude during the thing was not that great. Like, I participated, but not with a happy heart. Uh, and I found myself, like, in this process, pardon me, even doing it, I signed up, and I fully expected Luke to forget to sign up, and he did, but then they extended the deadline, and I was like, <laughs> I'm being honest, like, you know, like, Nathan, depending, I let him in on my plan. I'm like, I signed up, but Luke's going to forget, and I'll give him my spot, and I'll be a hero. Like, hey, I got you a spot. And, and so Luke ended up signing up, so then I committed and, and doing this stuff, and, and I am serving at this homeless shelter alongside of Ronnie, who has an absolute colored past, grew up on an Indian reservation in Oklahoma, left at the age of 13, and has lived a hard life, is now overseeing this shelter, broken people. And I am there, and I am thinking about all that I have to do in my world. Here's the, I'm just trying to be transparent. This is the reality of it. It's like, I don't have time to serve these people. I need to get out of here so I can go write a sermon about serving people. I worked six hours alongside of a guy, Damien, who lives in that shelter. All I learned was his name. That's the level of brokenness in my heart where, where I find myself being inconvenienced by others. That, that I would be inconvenienced in, 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 in seeing people versus you know, the work that I deem has to be done. And I'm having last night as I'm looking at Jonah's heart and seeing that very same heart in me. 
concerned more about than I am people. My schedule, my thing that I've got going on, than I am people, and having to repent of that. And now confess it to all you guys. Because <laughs> that's the reality that, that I do. I oftentimes am more concerned for my projects, my plans, than I am God's people. And that's wrong. And we're going to unpack why that is just so broken and wrong. But it's the same problem that Jonah had. And I think it's easy, like when we're studying this connection group, to like pick up big rocks and just want to hurl them at Jonah. You're like, oh, look at that. What a, what a doofus. I mean, he is terrible until you start to look in the mirror and perhaps start to see some of that in yourself. I, what was your attitude on serve day? You're like, I had a great attitude. I didn't even do it. What's your attitude when you get in a checkout line? Are you looking for which one's the fastest? Or are you seeing an opportunity to interact with people? Do we see people or do we see just tasks and, and we got to do this and do that? I mean, college students, what's your response when you see the neighborhood, neighbor kids out playing basketball on a nice day? Do you see people? Do we, do we see people? Or do we fall in the same kind of trap as Jonah where we just see ourselves in kind of what's going on in our world? And we're the kind of people that would delight in God's mercy and grace and pursuit of us and the fact that he was patient and gracious with us and, and we delight in that. And we just hoard it all and say, oh, to be that to others? You want me to be a physical representation here on this earth? of you towards others, I don't know if I got time for that. Is that in our hearts? Because if it is, Scripture would say, repent of that. That we can't just pick on Jonah. And so that's what's, here. as we continue the narrative though, it, this, is, this is the end of the book. And the question remains, what happened with Jonah? And honestly, we don't know. I don't know the answer to that. What happened to Jonah? Did, did he go on to be repentant? And he's the one that, that wrote the book that wasn't too flattering of himself. Like, well, we could speculate. I don't know. The question I think I'd have for Anthem Church today is what's going to happen to the Jonah in you? I don't know what happened to Jonah. I can't answer that. But what's going to happen with the Jonah in our hearts? Right? The reality is this, that, that 1 John 4, 19 says we can love because God first loved us. We have the ability to serve because he has served us. We can be patient because he has been patient with us. It just, God, his love pours out onto us. And from that, there should be an overflow. In fact, he goes on in 1 John 4, in verse 20, if anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must love his brother. That's what's broken about my attitude the other day at Fort Columbia. Is that I would say, yeah, I love you, God, I just don't have time to love Ronnie and Damon. And that's what's, what's broken, church, when we allow that kind of Jonah attitude to exist. That is what's broken when you look at Jonah, the recipient of mercy and grace, and then he doesn't 
show that same mercy and grace to, yeah, even his enemies. And that's the reality. Jonah, at least they were sworn enemies that would, I think it's 50 years later, come in and, and they would seek to overrun Israel. His enemies. And he has a harder time. What's our excuse? Failure to love, failure to forgive is an unacceptable response for those that have been shown the love and forgiveness of Christ. And so that's why I love that, that we get to take communion. Because what we're doing with these stations that are set up is we do this on a regular basis because I think we need reminder. And as we do that today, I want you to, to understand the symbolism that took place. Jesus said, this is, this is something I want you to do in remembrance of my body being broken for you. My blood being shed for you. Even when you didn't ask for it, when you were far off, I did that to bring you back to me while you were still enemies. I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Because as we go to these communion tables this morning, and we say, oh, thank you, Jesus, that you would take the punishment that I deserve. Thank you that you set me free that I can go to heaven. Oh, I'm just so delighted in that. That should inform what happens when we walk out these doors. That should inform our attitude. And we don't have to wait for next year in the free t-shirt to begin to serve and love our neighbors in our community. That should begin to inform what it looks like to, to seek after racial reconciliation, to be proactive. We can't just kind of sit back and say, well, given the opportunity, no, are you not grateful that God pursued you? What does it look like to proactively? That's the call for us as believers is just to be what God has been to us in, in terms of being that expression. Does that make sense? That what has God been and done for us? Then we, we can do that. We can love in the same ways that God has loved us. Because 1 John four nineteen, he loved us first. And so God pursued us, we can pursue others. God's patient with us, we can be patient with others. Jesus Christ sacrificed his life. The Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and give his life, life as a ransom for many. As we take communion today, here at church, this puts it in perspective. And perhaps, for some, you're like, that's really hard for me. Perhaps it's because you need to repent, meaning you need to first understand the love that God has for you. And I've talked around it. Let me just talk right through it. God, in his love, sent his son, Jesus, to take the punishment we deserve for that lying, stealing, evilness in our heart that we acknowledged early on on the front end. That God who is perfect, he can't look the other way. He's too good of a judge where he's like, okay, I suppose just... Come on in. A good judge must punish sin, must punish injustice. And God, in his goodness, did. He punished Jesus on our behalf. That is why he had to die. God couldn't just look the other way. He must execute justice. Jesus took it on the cross that we could be forgiven. What that looks like is to repent, to say, God, please forgive me. 
And that's, for those that have never done that, I would invite you to do that. For the Christian, this is our opportunity yet again. You say, yeah, I've done that. Search our hearts before we go to the communion table and say, Lord, would you, yet again, and not in ways of like, this would be the first time and now you cross from death to life, but I think it's just good to continue to make a discipline of repenting of that evilness so that we could become more like Jesus and better represent God in our church, in our community, in our schools, in our families. Amen? Makes sense? And so we're going to celebrate communion, and I'm going to invite the band up. What that looks like is there's kind of stations. I think our gluten-free is uh, in that corner, in this corner. Um, but other than that, you can just make your way to the station as the band is playing. And as we do that this morning, what it'll look like is you just make your way. You can break off a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup and take communion. But I just would want us, before you go there, kind of at your seat, ask the Lord where perhaps some of that Jonah exists in your own heart. And I would want to repent of that before we go identify with the forgiveness that we've received, the love that we've received. And so take your time as the band plays to just ask the Lord, search your heart, and confess that back to him, and then go celebrate Guys, we don't have to, again, live with just this guilt and the shame that Jesus has forgiven us, not just of sins past, but present and future. God's love for us, he is still who he says he is, right? God is unchanging, and so he, who he told Moses is consistent with who he is with Jonah and consistent in who he is with us. Merciful, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. That's the God we serve that sent his son to die for us. And so please don't just hang your head in guilt and shame and say, oh, woe is me. No, that's not how God views you. He views you worthy of sending his son to redeem you back to him. And so please don't be beating yourself up this morning and trying to ultimately take away from the gift that is in Jesus. And so just joyfully, Accept what it is that God's done. I know it's hard because we want to earn it. That's religion, not relationship. And so just in this idea of relationship, take the free gift of God through Jesus and remember with communion. Amen? Please bow your heads. God, we do. We thank you for your narrative. We thank you for Jonah and the fact that you would allow him to be made an example for us, that we would be able to search our hearts and Lord, just I again ask that you would forgive me for being a shepherd and a pastor and failing to set an example was just such a poor attitude. Being inconvenienced with the opportunity to serve people. God, please forgive me of that, that desire to be served but to not serve. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, it is our desire to do your will your kingdom come, your will be done here in this place as it is in heaven. So God, with that, <laughs> that is only going to be accomplished by your grace. And so we acknowledge that with our mouths and with our actions as we take communion this morning. And so Lord, it's only because of Christ that we can be a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. And so we take this in remembrance of you and just again, commit to doing your will. So that is our prayer in the name of Jesus.